Hello. How are you? I love that song. Um, <laughs> Do you know welcome to the show. Welcome to the show, everybody. Welcome back. My name is Tom McCaffrey. I'm here with Eric B. And we have a guest that I'll introduce in a second. But uh, before that, um, please rate and review this podcast. Please uh, buy Silk City Hot Sauce at com. It's our sponsor. Um, join our Patreon. All that good stuff. Okay, we have a, a guest, uh, a return guest we haven't talked to in a while, mm-hmm. um, a comedian and friend of the show, Molly Heckerling. What's up? Hello. <laughs> Com- comedian of sorts, jack yeah, of what, all trades, um, jack off of all trades. Who um, has uh, relocated recently? I don't know if you, I mean, my liberty to say that, that you moved out of New York of City. Yeah. My recently. stalkers aren't motivated enough to follow <laughs> me here. <laughs> That would be yes, yeah. That's that, that that's really funny. I was I always think that when like mm-hmm. you know when I'm somewhere in the middle of nowhere in a house, I was in my sister's house upstate, and like uh, people get really afraid of people trying to murder them. And I'm like, I don't. Who wants to murder me? I don't yeah. think anyone. <laughs> if anyone is going what, out of their way to murder me, then yeah, they're putting a lot of effort into it too. You know, <laughs> I just don't see. Anyone who murdered you, anyone yeah, you who murdered you would be embarrassed to admit it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's just like if they want, if they're going to go to that, to that uh, trouble to murder me, it's just like, let them have it. It's kind of, it's almost like feels good. It feels almost like, ah, oh, someone cares enough to murder me. Um, and you're not, but, can we say she's in the sunshine state of uh, Vermont? Is that the sunshine state? I always get that confused. I don't think so. I was going to say that. Yeah. I'm coming to you live from sunny Vermont. I think technically though, Minnesota is the sunshine state, <laughs> um, but we're close. We are sunshine adjacent. Yes. Um, <laughs> and just to, just to say, uh, you're wearing a shirt now that says everything is terrible. Is that what you're? W- yes, it's an understatement. Um, okay. I'm being subtle. My fashion choices. Um, <laughs> it's not my I, my favorite is the drugs, not hugs, don't touch me sweaty. <laughs> so um, I have a lot of demotivational sweaters. Did you did you leave New York City? Uh, were you just tired of New York City, or was there a was there an impetus, or had you thought of leaving for a while? Or she got ahead of the monkeypox um, ep- epidemic. She got out before it hit. <laughs> I wanted to get out before the dysentery pandemic hit, and the city really backed up. Um, no, I just felt like a change. I was looking at places to move to in New York. And then I was also just like looking at other random places. And I was like, well, for what I could, I could have a house in Vermont for less than it would cost to have an apartment in New York. If you don't want to just like look down the barrel at paying increasing rents all your life and never owning every, it just seemed like a, a good time for a change. And it was just like, well, even if it's the wrong decision, at least it's something because I've been doing the same thing for years and years. So why the fuck not? Do you um, like the environment of, of like? A, yeah. Do Do you like the it's, environment? It's nice. It's, it's um. I had never been to Vermont before this move, so it was really just a flying blind, you know, uh, maneuver. And all my friends thought I was an idiot because I am, um, but not for this. <laughs> this wound up being like a good move. Um, I like it here. Everyone's very laid back. The drivers are very chill and ditzy, so it doesn't feel very aggressive driving and, around. And who are your neighbors? Um, ben, your neighbors, Ben and Jerry. Do they live right next to you or no? Yes. <laughs> I got 
Ben and Jerry on one side, and then I got Bernie Sanders across <laughs> the way, and he brings us Kanishas. Um, no, I mean, it's a, it's a very nice place. Everyone's very friendly. There's a Black Lives Matter sign in every yard and not a Black person to be seen from miles <laughs> around. So it's like everyone's very white and well-meaning, but I do miss, you know, just the real-life diversity of being in New York and... Um, you know, but it's cool. It's very chill. It's a good place for writing. And I feel like there's a lot of very artsy fartsy people here. Like it's not as rustic as people like to make it sound. It's not like I'm sitting up here milking a cow and plowing the fields. Um, you know, there's yeah. just a lot of there's college stoners and the <clears throat> same shit as there is anywhere else. Yeah. Um, is is weed legal there? Oh, that was like one of the first places yeah. they legalized it. Mm-hmm. There's a place in Bur- in downtown Burlington, like 10 minutes away from me, where you just go to the weed store and you pick up your shit. And it's, uh, cool. yeah. Do you guys have it's a spare nice. room for me? <laughs> what are you talking about? Have you walked around New York lately? There's fucking weed shops everywhere now. I know. Yeah, no. New York is great. I mean, weed's everywhere now. It's great. You know, my friend's pissed off because she hates the smell of it. But, you know, bitch, deal. Um... Uh, yeah. New York was great. I went I went to New York over the holidays and like the second we got down there we found out my mom had covid and she gave it Ooh. to all of us. Um so that um, was like a was fun very, time uh, in the holiday spirit. Yes. <laughs> Seasonal phlegm. <laughs> what did you get for me? Uh covid. Here you go. Um <laughs> So what Thanks, you Mom. before we t- we started you said you you did the Vermont Comedy Festival is that how was that Yeah it was cool I had never met more New York comedians in my entire life <laughs> yeah. um, So it was a lot of fun everyone was really cool um it was um it was in Woodstock Vermont which is like an hour away it was that it was focused around this place called the Woolen Mill Comedy Club which I guess has been there for a really long time um it's in this place that feels like a pop-up art center mm. and uh it was just it was uh it was cool it was what a do cool what what it, what are the audience the audiences there are probably nicer right or I don't know well it's, they're no, not diverse they though nicer. there was so I had one show during the day at a bar and there were children there and I missed the email about making my set PG 13. So I just let it fly with all my normal, like, you know, fisting material and Nazi <laughs> stuff. And, uh, it was fine. And then the later show was at the woolen mill and it was, uh, it was fun, but it was kind of weird because it's not like a bar restaurant venue. It's sort of like, making it work in the space. So it felt more like, um, you know, when you go to a show in New York at one of those places, that's like, it's a theater, but not a theater. They've got someone like bartending with like little cups and shit. And, um, they're making it, they're making it work. It was uh, a fun time. Was there uh, in the, the, the crowd, in the crowd, there was, were there any black people in the crowd at all? Not to my knowledge. There were, yeah. there were like a, it was the later show was at 11 p.m. And, you know, when you have those two hour 11 p.m. shows where you feel like everyone starts off sleepy and you're yeah. just like, oh, fuck. Um, so it was just like very hit and miss that later set for everybody. Yeah. It was just like either the joke lands and it's hilarious or people are just like, I'm tired. Is this over? Yeah. But, but I need to see some black people in the crowd because I, I can't when the crowd's all white. I just feel like they're going to be super woke and super fucking awful. 
I, you know, white people are the worst. I get that. nervous they really if are. I'm like, yeah, no, I mean, because there's a lot of compensating for the white guilt going on. So uh, they're not allowed to like laugh at anything that's, you know, even, you know, if I'm, if I'm a Jewish person making a joke about being Jewish, it's like, you know, um, but also I just don't, I mean, too many white people, it does like, even for me as a white person has sort of get out energy. Maybe that's because I'm <laughs> Jewish. And Jason's like, oh, you're crazy. And I'm like, I'm not crazy. They can tell I'm Jewish. Yeah. That's, um, that's bad. Yeah. There's how, so many white people that white people feel out of place. Yeah. And how would a white <laughs> yeah. audience, how would a white audience know where to laugh if they don't see that a black guy is laughing first? That's usually the thing. They'll look, oh, is a black guy laughing? Okay. Now we can laugh. So. You know, I, um, I, if, if, uh, one of my first shows, this like group of black women came up to me afterwards and told me how good I was. And that felt like honestly the highest mm -hmm. praise because like black women have no reason to bullshit anybody. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, you know, yeah. they, they put up with enough shit all day long to just like when they're off the clock to be able to say whatever the fuck they want. They, they complimented my set and then inf insulted my bitchy friend stalking. So it was like a double. <laughs> I haven't had I haven't unprovoked had a lot of black women unprovoked just come up to me and start complimenting me <laughs> and tell you how handsome you are. Well, that but are just that I was good at something. Um, but um, so you know, also you had um, so you had mentioned the, the show that you had been working on, Ratso. So you had told us something that was like a new development that um, that got picked up. Yeah by it did it got picked up by trauma um so trauma which is, is the, lloyd kaufman yeah they did like oh, toxic got... avenger and um oh that's cool um that's yeah, like the big they did one toxic avenger they um Schind they, did they also did schindler's high. list right schindler's list they did too schindler's list yeah. they did class Third of nukem high dead poet society um <laughs> women yeah, talking women talking uh marriage story um all the greats no i actually think that they were the first ones actually to acquire and release my neighbor totoro in the u.s also like they and they produced cannibal the musical which was like trey parker's first oh, film really? one of his first films um so they seem to like always have their their finger on the pulse of like what's new and cool, but seem to have like avoided becoming huge, like a huge money making studio themselves because they like to be on the you know fringe. Yeah, of, right. You know all the shit and just doing what they want. And I, he's still alive. Uh, huh? It's been fun. I, he is still alive. He's doing an event, I think, um, this weekend somewhere. Um, but yeah, he's still alive and he's producing shit. We actually we're we're doing a Valentine's Day promo for them with the puppets that were in the midst of. She, I was supposed to shoot it when we were in New York, and then we all got COVID and had to push back the shoot. So I brought all the puppets up here to my Vermont murder cabin, yeah. and we're gonna just make it go over here. <laughs> do um, at, at, up there because it's Vermont and it's you're in a cabin. Do the puppets sometimes like just talk on their own to you, like in the middle of the night? Yes, I, I feel like that's mm -hmm. where it's got. That's where it's gonna go. They're gonna tell you to kill people. One of them tried to murder me. Told me to stand in the corner with my back to the room. It was okay. really weird. So you're kind of having yeah. your Jack Torrance moment. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, chasing <laughs> Jason around with an axe. Yeah, let's see what you're writing there. All oh, work, work and no, and no play. play makes makes Ratso a dull boy. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
So where can that be? Um, is that available now, streaming, or is that a, is that going to be coming out? No, it's on it's on their website right now. So Troma has a streaming app um, that you could subscribe to, um, but the episodes are also posted on YouTube. So we we have a non exclusivity deal with them, so we're allowed to have it exist in multiple places. Nice. Um, and we're also just like trying to I don't know get the idea picked up by anyone else who might want it. Um. I was approached by this woman on LinkedIn of all places who asked me if she could upload the series to, um, she has a platform that's meant for showcasing things to like reps for Peacock and all those streaming platforms because everyone's just looking for content now, I guess. Well, when Um, you, when you were finished, when you were finished with it, how, so how did the thing with trauma come about? Did you send it out to a, a bunch of places or did that just kind of organically happen that like fell in my lap out of the good graces of a buddy of mine dan kurtz who used to work for them and he was like i think they'd be really into this can i send it to them and he did and they liked it and they wanted to put it up so that was that was all it was um i was totally resigned to it just dying on youtube since we like released it as the pandemic was unfolding so you know i obviously take responsibility for the pandemic is it's my fault somehow by finishing a puppet show i you know <laughs> yeah precipitated this whole thing well let's let's let the audience know that you started the puppet show in this wuhan lab you said originally that's where you yes yeah so you might i was have... fucking a pangolin when the idea came to me <laughs> yeah you uh you had just sex wanted with to bat. release something yeah. um <laughs> oh so i was COVID. having sex with many things <laughs> yes. Did you know that one of the puppets, Ratso is actually patient zero? Did you know that? The puppet? He refused to get vaccinated. He's such a <laughs> fucking chud. Can I? Um, so, I mean, is this like an obvious question? But is Ratso, is that inspired by Midnight Cowboy? Yes. Is it or you not? Know, I was fucking Dustin Hoffman and I was thinking. Um, no, at least it, wasn't, it, it was like. Uh, at least you weren't banging what? John Voight. That would be way worse. So go ahead. <laughs> in retrospect, that would have been bad. Right. I think um, it would have been okay at the time back then. But wait, yeah, so is it so, not? Because I no, interest. Fun fact, uh, not so fun fact. I actually just I watched Midnight Cowboy for the first time a week ago. So what? I don't know. No, I don't know. I was just wondering if that was like maybe one of your favorite movies, or because I know it's kind of like a you know a lot of people. It's like in their top five movies of all time. Is that, have you ever seen it? I've seen it. I like it. It's, it's a weird fucking movie. So, I mean, like, I don't know if it's in my top five, like it's a good movie. Um, Ratso wasn't really based so much on, on that. I know the original puppet from the Muppets Rizzo, like that's where they got his name. Mm. Um, my thing for Ratso was just like the idea of like, oh, what if Rizzo had like a bastard son with some low life broad who lives in a dump and that's his, <laughs> Ratso is his fail son, Nepo baby. Um, right. uh, okay. That's a good seg. That's a good segue, um, Eric. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we were talking about it last week. I, f- I find this stuff so interesting now because I think people just realizing that this is a thing. And, uh, you know, the Nepo baby controversy kind of exploded in this, I think, New York Magazine article. And everyone was realizing, oh, my God, this person's related to this person. And all the Nepo babies, most of them who were talking were just 
saying the stupidest shit. And if you don't have the right thing to say, don't say, say anything. And the main thing that I had a problem with them all saying is like, oh, I work really hard. And I know, I'm like, so does yeah. fucking everybody, <laughs> you know, everyone will shovel shit all day. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I was, I know I was wondering what, because like, I haven't heard from you dudes, you dudes. I hadn't heard from you guys in a minute. And I was like, uh, oh, and so the Nepo baby connection thing makes sense. Cause it's like, oh, you thought of me. Um, <laughs> no 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 we uh i just seen uh um, um, midnight cowboy i remember yeah. ratza actually when i no when he when he kept saying ratza i was like oh yeah isn't that the name of her puppet um the name i was of her watching show? midnight cowboy and all the dirty whores made me think of you <laughs> um, <laughs> um no, the nepo baby thing to me is like um because i'm a nepo baby and I, you know, despite how big of a loser I've managed to stay, um, have had experiences <laughs> or opportunities that I'm sure other people would like step over my rotting corpse for. So for me to sit here or for any Nepo baby to sit there and say, I work really hard. It's like, yeah, I'm sure you work hard at, you know, but to have the opportunity to parlay that hard work into a viable career or into a real <laughs> opportunity, like to sit there and act as though nepotism doesn't play a role for like 90% of the thing is very unseemly, right. you know, because it's like if you have privilege that you have to be held accountable for, you know, the first thing you should do is acknowledge that you have that privilege. Otherwise, you just sound like an asshole. Mm. Like how many talented people are out there? Great writers, great performers. They're all trying really hard. Gorgeous people who are just as beautiful as, you know. Uh, Ron Howard's daughter. I don't know why she's the first one I thought of. Um, I always say that I'm just as gorgeous as Ron Howard's daughter. <laughs> but There's yeah, so many people as gorgeous as Lady Ron Howard. But, you know, why who's clearly the hottest shape? woman in the world? But I uh, guess we know where your head's at. <laughs> so we, you know, we don't need to ask our next question. Who would your um, one go-to celebrity? One off B. All right. Bryce Dallas Howard. Is that her name? All right. Anyway, go ahead. Or, Je or, or Jessica. Thank you. I'm such a fan. I didn't even remember her name. Yeah. Or um, you could just, you could, you could just hook up with Jessica Chastain because they're basically the same person. So I have facial blindness. So for a long time, I thought Jessica Chastain was Ron Howard's daughter. <laughs> and she was like, Jessica Chastain's not Ron Howard's daughter. Um, um I, I, well, once th I thought Jessica Chastain was I thought Jessica Chastain was Abe Vigoda. That's how bad I am. I thought Ron Howard was Jessica She's Chastain. Not daughter. <laughs> I thought that you oh, guys man. were both Jessica Chastain. That that's how bad it is for me. <laughs> Sometimes I look in the mirror and I think I'm Bryce Dallas Howard. All right. Um, so all right, the one thing, all right, the Nepo baby thing, you know. What's funny is like this was an article that came out like two weeks ago, and you know it was a big thing online. And right. mm -hmm. I just remember thinking like, I don't is this like a new thing that that people had not been aware? It just it kind of struck me as like, yes, this is a thing that I feel like has existed and everyone's been aware of. But I think one of the things that was triggering or triggered a lot of backlash was people's reaction to it. Some people's reaction to it, but also like th there's there's whatever like people have connections and stuff, but. There were some examples where it was like, dude, come on. Like people just get it when sometimes people get opportunities that are just like 
it's just so obvious the the nepotism mm-hmm. because the one that really stood out and a lot of people were talking about was the the Saturday night, I don't I don't even know if you watch SNL anymore. I I mean I kind of watch it almost like ironically now. Mm-hmm. I literally watch it just to, so I can <laughs> I be like, like my story. <laughs> no no, I watch Sorry. it I literally watch it to be like um yeah, that sucked just to make sure it sucks <laughs> still. Um but there's these three guys who were kind of like the uh what is it like they do like the online video they do the digi- they do the digital videos they're called please don't destroy and i think that one really kind of sunk with people because two out of the three people in that group uh one of them is the big producer on the show and one of them was a big writer for the show i think that's why people it wasn't just one person it was two you know and uh, well the thing about it is that i had seen those shorts for the season i was like this is really not fun i I remember thinking it was really bad and then when that came out i was like oh okay because they're like 23 and they're just like i mean they're okay but they're just very average you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so i think i think what gets annoying to people is when you see someone really average getting a lot of breaks because it's not always the case like some people are actually really talented and even if you have connections and stuff it doesn't guarantee anything you know yeah. what i mean there's a lot of people that have connections and they're not um right when we, t- when we were talking about that last week all the douglases well michael oh, douglas has like six brothers and, <laughs> yeah you know. and, and the baldwins and the baldwins you know <laughs> right. but the, and there's the ball- a hemsworth that's not so spectacular <laughs> yeah like a, like, superfluous hemsworth <laughs> but the thing is, he kind of still, a, even the Baldwins, <laughs> like they got a lot more, they got a lot further than they sh- than they should have gotten. You know what I mean? Uh, like Stephen Baldwin without Alec Baldwin and Billy Baldwin just would not be, have been in like 20 just kind of mediocre movies. Yeah. Um, I, I actually remember when they were blowing up and they just, they're like, oh, well, now there's Daniel Baldwin. You're like, there's another fucking ball. How many fucking people are? They would just, they would kind of peel them out every two years, like release them like it were like a car or something like this. This is a, this is a 1997 Baldwin, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> and they all looked a little shittier than the last one. They're like bad carbon tops. Kind of like It's funny too when you see like there's a really good looking celebrity and they have a sibling who looks like them, but like a shittier version. That's like such a weird. <laughs> weird phenomenon like yeah. kevin dylan yeah looks like matt dylan hey look at all the kardashians basically right i mean come on yeah but <laughs> so did did you i mean we've talked to you about this before so i mean you, you say you get you know you got opportunities and stuff but like you you probably experienced was showbiz even something you wanted to go into young or was it just kind of like okay well this seems like because I I feel like if you're born in if in that environment it's kind of like why wouldn't you want to go into it it seems like a or from the inside did it seem like an appealing industry to be a part of um yes and no um it, it kind of had the feeling of like you know I have a buddy who's a locksmith and he's a locksmith because when his when his dad died, he gave him all of his locksmithing uh, equipment. And that's sort of how it feels where it's like, well, your mother was a locksmith and now you're going to be a locksmith because like for you to try to be anything else, like, what are you a fucking idiot? Like when yeah. I was young, I thought I wanted to be a doctor. And then years of struggling in math class made me realize maybe I wouldn't be the best doctor. Yeah. But like I always... Um, you know, I think my uh, my deep down aspirations were always way more well-meaning than my actual abilities were to fulfill any of those ones. You know, um, 
if I was good at math, I would love to be a scientist or someone who did something cool but um, I'm shitty at math, so I'll just be a writer. Well, it just um, seems like it, it, it just seems like anything. If you're in that environment, and you know, it just seems like if that's what you're around, you would you would gravitate towards that just because it's what you know, and it seems like the most kind of <laughs> almost comfortable option because it's like, well, I know people, and I can maybe get a job, but. I think a lot of people assume that if you're born into it or if you're born in that environment, you automatically aspire to that. Yeah. But was it, I don't like, right. I know you, but I don't know that when you were young, you were like, oh my God, this is my passion. I want to be like in movies or anything. Uh, so um, I was really like singing. So I always thought that I wanted to be like a singer, musician, or like, you know, I always loved like the arts and stuff and was always just very daydreamy. But that's also coupled with the fact that, like, yeah, you grow up in Hollywood and you're like, oh, this place is fun, but also seems a little fucked up. And, like, <laughs> you're surrounded by people who anytime you even remotely mention moving somewhere that's not New York or L.A. or pursuing a career field that's not entertainment adjacent, they're just like, what are you talking about? What do you want to do that for? Like, no, you're not doing that. What the fuck? Like, yeah, it's like you, so you had conditioning those, uh... enters into it a little bit you had those uh huh? those jewish parents that were like what do you want to be a doctor for come on <laughs> get that out of your head um it's just like you well, a doctor shut up look at these grades yeah well maybe you can turn vermont into the new hollywood you know like what tyler perry did with atlanta you could be like you know, like once everything bursts into flames or is underwater, all of a sudden, everyone who's making fun of climate migration is going to be like, yo, is there any? <laughs> well, you know, I've always said I've always said to, to people and Eric that, y uh, that you were going to be the next Tyler Perry. So. <laughs> Hello. Um, no, I just looked something up because I had a question. It was the opposite way around with the nepotism stuff. I just, I didn't know this. Stephen Hawking had three children. Okay. What if like, he was mm -hmm. like, I want you to become whatever he is, like a nuclear physicist, whatever the fuck he is. And one of the kids was like, like dumb, like, you know, what happens? Right. Then? Um, he I probably, am so disappointed in you. <laughs> <laughs> he probably would still just be a nuclear physicist, but just like a shitty one. Um, what do you want to go into veterinary school for? <laughs> but see, I think um, I I think I would have been great at um because I you know I do know there's um there's a comedian you know you probably know you know Amy Stiller who's Ben Stiller's mm -hmm. sister. And, you know, I used to see <laughs> yes. her at like shows and so like open mics and stuff. And every now and then I would see her pop up in a Ben Stiller movie. But I've seen her in a couple of Ben Stiller directed movies that she has no lines in. And I remember being um, like, wow, like, dude, are you fucking kidding me? That, like, if my sister became one of the most successful people in Hollywood, there is no fucking way I would let her just get away with not. I'd be like, you're making me, you're putting me in all your fucking yeah. movies. And like, that's, an, that's an uncomfortable right. Thanksgiving dinner right there. Yeah. <laughs> and Ben Stiller and Amy Stiller, they look very similar. Like they totally could have done their own Jack and Jill without even yeah. like camera tricks. No, well, you know who uh, actually really did take care of Amy Stiller was uh, 
Jerry Stiller because she would always she was on she a tons of episodes of King of Queens with speaking roles and, and she was really funny. She, she was. She was really funny on King of Queens. And no, no, I like yeah, her sure. She's sweet. Um, no, no, I, I, I Amy Stiller. Amy Stiller's like me of Christmas future. You know what I mean? Where it's like <laughs> you've heard of her, you've seen her around. Um, she's related to like hugely famous people, but she's just living her life. Like but a I think it's, it's funny because you do see it on the other end sometimes where I almost feel like sometimes being in that environment, born into that can actually be detrimental where it's yeah. not an, an automatic. In fact, a lot of times I think there are scenarios where they're like, look, I'm not going to do you huge favors because I don't want it to look like nepotism. I don't mm -hmm. want it to look like I'm just giving. So that must be really really hard so i think people kind of i don't know I, obviously if you're in that situation i think you're given a leg up but i think there's a lot of things it, it you know it's still nuanced and it's not like i think people look at it from the outside it's like well of course they're just going to give you everything it's like no that's really that's really not true um right in fact you're there's right. more scrutiny nuance, on you there's it's a nuanced thing there's more scrutiny on you because you had the leg up Having the opportunity doesn't necessarily mean that it pans out. Um, and also, like, even for people who aren't related to famous people, like, the truth about that industry is, like, yeah, it's all about who you know or what opportunity just, like, falls into your lap at the time and how well you can rock it out. And a lot of it really is left up to chance. And I feel like the people who I respect the most who have also had a lot of success who are also really talented and work really hard are the first ones to admit like, yeah, 90% of this was random chance and dumb luck. And like, yeah. who knows, like whatever. Also like the Nepo baby thing is hard because like you're afforded every privilege in, in the conceivable universe. Um, but also like you never really feel as though you get out of the shadow of that person or that mm. you have your own identity. Um, I was going to say that. that. Is there like, I feel like that, I feel like this is a, an affliction a lot of people just in the arts or not just in the arts, but especially creative field suffer from is like imposter syndrome. Like I don't deserve any of this. And that's even mm -hmm. people who don't have the connection. So it, it seems yeah. like, is there an aspect, like, did you ever have that? Like, Oh God, like if I do this, it's almost like no one's going to really think that I did it on my own or something. Yeah. And I can even like thinking back on a lot of situations, I can see how I have very clearly self-sabotaged without being cognizant of it, because I think on some level, I always thought I would rather fail on my own terms than succeed on someone else's. And then you're you're looking down the barrel at 40 and you're like, wow, that was a really stupid <laughs> decision. Well, I, I um, do remember but, early on when I met you, I was like, oh, do you, when you do shows, do you tell like do you tell them who your parents are? And you well, were like, no. Yeah. Well, you and were I was you, like, what? No, I was saying you would what name would you 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 would use Molly Israel, right? Or you wouldn't use Heckerling. I used Molly Israel for a while. And then the reason I changed to Heckerling was because Neil Israel disowned me for a few years. Oh, yeah. Um, oh. When I was pregnant with my first daughter, I wanted a name for Harper because it was after Harold died. And the fact that it was sort of like a loose homage to Harold really <clears throat> pissed Neil off. Uh, even though I wasn't going public with anything, it was just a private 
but he uh, he disowned me, and I took my mom's last name, like not even legally, just as a as a front, you know. What, what I'm still Molly Israel. So do now, me, are you? Do you go by get, Molly Estevez now? Yeah, I was gonna say you should go by Bo- Molly <laughs> Dallas Howard. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Molly Dallas Howard. They'll you never know the Molly difference. Chalamet now. <laughs> um, I don't know why I hate Timothy Chalamet. He can be like the nicest person in the world, but he, to me, he just has the most slappable face. Yeah. He, um, he, he's an interesting, you know, kind of symbol of what is, is kind of popular and like what's kind of in the zeitgeist of attractiveness because he really represents like, he's such a, um, He's such not like a manly man. He's like a bo- a little boy. Like I yeah. feel like that's what's in fashion now yeah. for like men attractiveness is like these little boys that look like waifs and and his father's like- his father's famous too. Who's his father? Jerry Stiller. And- <laughs> <laughs> his father is Amy he Stiller. Looks just like him. Yeah. But um, then I, I love that th- he's like. I, what? Oh, I was going to say. Oh, no, I, I was thinking of the movie. He's like the sexy cannibal, emo cannibal. Oh right, what's that movie that just came out that he's in? Where he's like, uh, it's the it's the um, I forget what it's fucking called. Emo uh, cannibal. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think it's called uh, Ratso. I can't believe I ate the whole thing. (laughs) Um, what was I? Oh, I so so like I was gonna say about like you know the the nepotism. I think when it gets really when people get not outraged or whatever, when it really stands out is like Sophia Coppola. I think was one of the worst examples of it because Sophia Coppola was just kind of around, and then he put her in Godfather Three as like a starring role, and like that was one of the most like like it just stood out as someone who should not be starring in a movie you know what i mean where it's like yeah you shouldn't be like with the lead in like this huge movie um but yeah. you know it's also i'm actually looking up to them timothy chalamet and his aunt and uncle were kind of in the business they were big producers so wow okay. were they really yeah <laughs> it's like every- brothers. <laughs> um but sophia coba i think that's a funny thing because like that's kind of what i was saying like even though she wasn't like really a very good actress, um, her dad was still like, I don't give a shit. I'm putting my daughter in this huge role. Like, and if I was related to someone like that, I'd be like, I don't care. It doesn't matter that I'm not good. Just put me in the fucking movie. Yeah. Like, have, have me star in the movie. <laughs> like, Look, I'm going to stand there and breathe through my mouth for an hour and a half, and you're going to put me in this fucking movie. And it's like, if it's bad, I just, and it's kind of like, it's just a funny scenario where it's like, look, just put me as a starring role in the movie. If I'm not good, I just won't do it anymore. You know what I mean? <laughs> just try it. Just let's, what's the worst that can happen? Well, you want to hear, are you, did we ever talk about this? Um, Will Smith. Have you ever heard of Will Smith in the news in the last year? No, but he, you, you remember uh, there was the Black Annie movie that came. I guess you shouldn't call it Black Annie. That's yeah. <laughs> Uh, but the that new Annie, the title. <laughs> but apparently he bought the rights to that movie because his daughter, I think it was a Willow, she wanted to be Annie. But but by the time it got made, she she was too old for the role. So she's like, I want to be Annie. And he's uh-huh. like, Okay, I'll buy you Annie. Wow. Yeah. Oh so. I definitely never got oh. anything like that. <laughs> you always wanted to play Annie. My right? parents wouldn't if my parents wouldn't even buy me the soundtrack to Annie. <laughs> 
I want Annie. We're not buying it. <laughs> yes, it's a hard knock life. Now shut up, Thomas. Yeah. I wouldn't I would not have bought her rendition of It's a Hard Knock Life. <laughs> but it makes you feel better, Tom. I think you would be good at Black Annie. You'd be a good Black Annie. That's what I've been telling everyone for years. <laughs> no, Tom, he's a total pepper. He's pepper all day. Right. Yeah, I know. You know. This is the um one essential debate. Um mm-hmm. what was um so what, what was there was there something else about that? <laughs> well, I mean with Sofia Coppola kind of she like made her staple after everyone made fun of how shitty she was in the movie by like making Lost in Translation right. and Marie Antoinette and these movies that are sort of like more mood pieces than they are a movie. Yeah. Um, and I just remember how obsessed everyone was with Lost in Translation at the time. And and um and it's no disrespect. I mean, it's just it's a matter of taste, it's different strokes, but like I it just sort of felt like everyone was just so shocked that Sofia Coppola would do something not remotely yeah. shitty. That yeah, it was yeah. Like, that's that's oh, really the funny. Genius but... now of like well, you know, I, I, sucking. Yeah, like, I think the big thing was though, because it was the Godfather movies. I mean, that was the thing. Like she should have been one of his lesser movies first. You can't, but that wasn't the only mistake they made in the Godfather casting. Robert Duval didn't want to do the role, so they put in George Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that that's that, not I, the uh next the uh logical go-to replacement yeah. <laughs> jesus christ you know duval's out who's available uh george hamilton you mean that guy who sucks yeah he should replace the greatest actor of, of the generation um but that actually you're right it's funny because sophia Coppola, but she's i feel like she's the ultimate um example of like a nepo baby because it was kind of like Hey, look, you know what? Your uh, your starring role in your dad's movie didn't work out. So how about instead you just like become like a huge <laughs> film director? Like, what do you what do you do? That? Try that. All right. I guess I'll try that. And then you're right. Yeah, it was kind of like, friends. wow, this walking train wreck could actually like make a movie. Yeah. Like, But I mean, you we, before we start the podcast, it is I think you made a good point about the Nepo stuff actually might help the men more. You know, just not in general. I feel like it does. I felt like for a long time, I sort of felt as though for the most part, the keys of the kingdom are always handed down to the sons and not to the daughters. Mm. And the daughters are more relegated to writing glowing biographies about their parents <laughs> or just sort of being like, oh, look, it's that lovely woman with the kids who looks vaguely like so-and-so. Um <laughs> So I was very upset for a while because my dream would be to, you know, like, let me reboot Look Who's Talking and CGI a Pagoda back to life. This is bullshit. Like, yeah. So, well, uh, I want to, I just want to play one. My I want to just play one clip. Uh, someone this week, uh, someone from TMZ cornered uh, Puffy Combs or whatever he calls himself, kid, about the subject. Uh, you want to hear what he, what he said? Yeah. Mm. All right. You must be so sick and tired of that debate. Uh, not really, you know. Heavy is the head that wears the crown, so you got a big leg- legacy to fill up too. Oh, I love that. Right man. now, bad boy, we number one. Let's go, baby. Oh, really? Uh huh. You- <laughs> Sorry, can well, you hear that? Sounds, that sounds exactly like you. <laughs> <laughs> um, what do you say? Heavy is the head, head that yeah. wears the crown. Okay, yeah, that's a pretty wearing- humble start. <laughs> 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 
He's already got me on his side. <laughs> he's wearing a mask. And then, and then he just literally parroted exactly what the three things Puff Daddy is like known for saying his entire life. I'm, I'm surprised he didn't say big up to B.I. at that point. Um, Heavy is the hand that plagiarizes the crown. <laughs> but I mean... If I was P. Diddy's kid, I mean, that's exactly, I would just be dancing around the mansion too, being like, when are you going to get me my rap video? Um, <laughs> must be weird though, if you're like, I, I don't know, in his situation. I, I don't, I've never heard of him or what he does. Is he, uh, I'm, I don't know anything like about he just him. He says really humble things. Yeah. I'm going to say he's, I'm going to say he's not talented, but I'm just guessing <laughs> just by that interview. I'm just going by that interview. He but, seems really, I mean, he does sound very down to earth, I must say. <laughs> Okay. I, th what I will say is, I think that, th that in terms of this, it's like any scenario. As long if you how your attitude and how you maybe you know your reaction to it is like the main is like the main issue. I think when you come out and say things like that, it's like everyone's like it's ma you're making it very easy for everyone to to hate you. And you know, Bryce Dallas Howard is actually a good example back there because she really is talented. So she did get a leg up, but I mean, she's maintained a career not only because of who she is you know what i mean she's like a really she's a very good actress so um right and that's the thing about like being a nepo baby is that like yeah the you can you can make the case that like the opportunities afforded a nepo baby are are undeserved but whether you sink or swim a lot of times like you know can have to do with whether or not you actually are talented and you know, some Nepo babies are super fucking talented because they mm. grew up in this shit and they were surrounded by really funny people or they have the genes. So, like, yeah, I'm not, I wouldn't throw all Nepo babies out with the bathwater. But no, because like, you're you you're know. you're really funny, you know, so that's I'm all right. I mean, not, you know, but wait, um, can, can I, I, not, think I, think I'm wouldn't, gonna, I wouldn't be like, you know. Oh, I, I've never had a privilege in my life, and fuck you. What um, um you wouldn't say uh, Heffrey is the head that wears the crown. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is when you were like when you were young. Were your were you, were your parents like your mom especially? Did she encourage you to pursue it, or was it ever even? Or was she or did she discourage you, or did would it ever come up, or was it? Would you have um, like? No, she encouraged me to do whatever it seemed like I wanted to do in that moment. And then there were a lot of things that, like, I just didn't stick with. Like, I took violin lessons, but when it got to, like, learning the end of Twinkle Twinkle, I got overwhelmed and scared and I quit. Or, um, that is the hardest part you know, of the song. It is. The, you know, um, yeah. it was daunting, those three notes. Anyway, but, like, and also I think I got headshots when I was a kid because maybe for a second it was like, I want to and it's like okay let's get this chubby kid some headshots you know <laughs> does anyone want to book this female mason reese like no okay were, um, did you ever so how like, like how old were you when you did uh, that that's a good reference by the way god thank you i really the resemblance was uncanny um i was like eight did maybe. you go out did um, you do the audition circuit i would do auditions here and there but i think it was very quickly something where i was like this isn't for me, like at least not in this vein, if I were ever to break into that realm of entertainment, it would probably be like as a writer comedian type, but like to just break into acting as an actor, 
is hard. And I get where it's like, you look at like Leonardo DiCaprio when he was a kid and you hear stories about how his mom was just constantly driving him to auditions. Cause it's probably like my son's cute. He's little, he's blonde. Like we're pimping you out. Yeah. Um, That's the kind of some of the things they were saying also they're like, are the, are Nepal kids any worse than kids who have stage moms? I mean, you know, that's because, you know, sometimes it's not the kid's choice in that case. They're just, right. I mean, know. it's a yes and no thing because there's like tons of Nepo babies who are kind of really entitled and monstrous because they've never known anything else. And then I think there's a lot of Nepo babies who are kind of like me who don't live a single day, not racked with guilt for having <laughs> something that they feel they didn't earn. Um, are you so uh, just uh, on, on this topic? So now are you going to like. Uh, pimp your kids out into the business yeah. like get out there my kids are cute and blonde and thin so yes i am you wow. better get them out <laughs> they're there, way better man. they're way more fuckable than i ever was as a kid so. <laughs> I, I just think it's so funny <laughs> when parents when parents do that when the kid's like six months old and they're like all right pal time you start pulling your weight around here <laughs> you've been laying around too long how old how old are your kids now one's two and the other one's eight Oh, um, get, oh wow gotta get on that man yeah you gotta, <laughs> gotta get, get on, on that before they age out of the business so now, right before brian singer doesn't want to fuck either of them. <laughs> uh, oh wait no they're female so i guess he wouldn't have any interest anyway um, but um, yeah um, no, yeah they'll be fine Fe- the yeah. females are treated pretty well in that business uh, from what i've been reading <laughs> um okay you know good looking women are always treated well by men in power yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's what I've, that's, what that's I've a lie. No, I was, I was thinking, I was, I don't know why I'm throwing this out there. I was thinking about pretty privilege the other day and how it applies to women. And it's like, okay, yeah, it's the only privilege where people will openly tell you that they want to rape you and brutalize you. And it's like, <laughs> is this a privilege? Um, right, right. Double edged sword. Tell like me about it. <laughs> I'm so tired. Tom, do people that. just threaten to rape you all the time because you're so afraid? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Actually, it was only that one weekend, and I was in jail. Yeah, oh, <laughs> I was like, "Man, I must look great this weekend." <laughs> All these dudes. So um, who's, t- who's taking care? I of- do have a pretty mouth. <laughs> <laughs> so who takes care of the kids? Who, where are they right now? Uh, they're you know under a laundry hamper. So no, Jason's <laughs> with them. Oh, cool. So I uh, I have my very supportive house husband and partner who takes care of them while I'm making the big money doing podcasts and writing. <laughs> nice. Um, All right. So are you, are you yeah, out there indefinitely no. <laughs> or are you, are you, do you think you're out there for good now in the sticks? No, I mean, I live here now. My, my name's oh. on the deed. So, I mean, it would wow. take a fair amount of undoing to not be here. Do you um, ever, do you come back? Yeah. But you come I, back I still to bounce York? around. Yeah. Uh, yeah, for sure. I've been back like twice already. So like, I'm still bouncing around. I haven't been back to LA in ages, but I would really like to go back out there and see some family before, you know, whatever the fuck is going to happen happens. Do you, um, um do you I ski? Now. I don't ski. I'm afraid of heights. Like I moved to a place where the pastimes are like everything that I hate to do. Um, but it's good because I just wanted to be in a place where I could like, be holed up and and write and not you know i don't know how far I love are you... new york but i also feel like huh no i was gonna say how far are you from the oh. nearest cow like do you see cows a lot where you are that's usually an indicate 
Like you see any Nepo cows? <laughs> Just when I look in the mirror. Um, oh, no, I'm oh. probably like 20 miles away from a cow. <laughs> oh, that's not bad. Yeah. Well, you know, I, you know, New yeah. York, I'm always um, like kind I'm, of anxious. I always keep telling people I'm going to move from, out of New York because I really don't like take advantage of New York City. I mean, like I went to see a Broadway show in December and, and, and I was like trying to think the last Broadway show I got to have been like six years. I'm like, what am I doing here? Why am I living here? I don't do anything. You know it's just funny. Yeah. Yeah. Like you live in New York and you never go anywhere and do anything. And then when you do take advantage of New York, you feel like a tourist in your own hometown. Mm. Where it's just like, why am I doing this? Um, well, it was embarrassing. I was like, uh, well, I think Hamilton. And I was like, 2016. <laughs> and I'm like, I was like, don't I pay like $9,000 a month to let, to just sit in my room? I work from home. It's just, there's no reason <laughs> I could be doing it in Vermont. What? But then I go away right. and I go nuts. I'm like, well, I get me. It's it's like an abusive relationship. I I need to get back to fucking. Yeah, but Tom right. Tom, Tom has his friend. Uh, he was on the podcast. He's a screenwriter. Uh, I wrote this movie that was on Netflix. What was it called again? Day shift. Um, the day shift. Yeah. And uh, he okay. he moved to Florida, and we were like, "Is that fucking up your career?" He's like, "No, I do all my meetings on Zoom, and uh, I fly in when I need to." So you well, it's really funny. Everyone we talk to who's like doing things like in the the industry doesn't live in, in any of the cities. <laughs> that was the thing. Like a lot of people made it sound like I had. Like you have to be in LA or, or New York to get these things going, especially LA. They're like, oh, you got to be in LA. You got to be in LA. And it's like slowly over the years, I like to think I'm bringing the industry down to my level. Where it's like, <laughs> no, everyone's sitting at home. You're all on Zoom. No one wants to be in LA. Fuck that place. I feel like that was um, the whole thing. And during the COVID, it was like everyone fled LA. Yeah. I thought that was like, I, I think, I, hasn't that shift in the last three years? It's like you don't have to be in LA. It's kind of mm -hmm. like, yeah. LA is a rough. Um, I mean, it's a. It can be. I know you didn't probably experience it, but it, it's a. It can be a rough place. It's like a dark place. If if things aren't going well, no, bad things. No. Did yeah. You? Exactly. No. I was always conscious of that because it's like I had friends, or I was in charter schools and stuff, which are also just inherently sketchy. They're like private schools on meth, but like <laughs> you know, everyone like LA is super sketchy, and even if you are succeeding in the industry just because you're rich doesn't mean you're not fucking sketchy too like it's mm -hmm. it's really the land of illusion where you think that it's all very respectable and it's like no it's you know oh no I mean, tonight it's did you, like did you see um did you uh, did you see Mulholland Drive yes do you know that you know that movie um, David, David Lynch yeah no I do so yeah, I like the. I was thinking of the homeless guy with the box because that's how I feel in LA. It's like that's the character I relate. I to. mean, I honestly, when I watched it, because I, I I remember bringing this up to you because I lived in LA a couple times, and I remember just being like, you know, people are like, well, you know, it's really nice, and didn't you like it? I'm like, I don't know, just I always feel like there was something off there, and everyone was like, what do you mean? I'm like, I don't know, I just feel like th there was like a dark energy that I just couldn't put my finger on what was, and when I saw Mulholland Drive, it did seem to um encapsulate what i was talking about like it was like because i feel like that movie is is a bit like that homeless guy behind the dumpster with the box kind of represents the mm -hmm. dark energy there that can just like consume you and 
because you know it's I don't know if you've seen it a while but it starts out where she's like fresh faced and gonna follow her dream and you know LA and this is the land of opportunity and dreams where dreams come true and then at the end she's just completely consumed by this evil force or something that's you can't even like really explain what it is but there is something I, uh, to that, I think. I love the end of that movie because it's like her going insane in her mm-hmm. room as the two like elderly people in tennis shoes are like shuffling towards her. And it's like, <laughs> I see that and I'm like, yep, that's how I'm going out. I'm going crazy, <laughs> haunted by old Jewish ghosts. And it's scary. I mean, it's scary, um, but that's kind of what, what like that seeing that was like, yeah, yeah, that's what I was talking about. LA. <laughs> that's what L.A. seems like, like. You kind of like you you put out a hit on someone that um, dumps you, and then two old people you know crawl out of a a box next to a dumpster and then come and scream at you until you kill yourself. Like, but it's scary. It's scary that I was like, you know what? That really resonates with my the time I had in, when I was in LA. Um, mm-hmm. It's the least abstract part of that whole movie. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean, like, and I don't mean to knock LA because, like, I. You know, I'm a firm believer wherever you go, there you are. So I'm sure I'd be miserable anywhere I go. And like, I do love New York and I do love LA. It was more just sort of like, I lived here 18 years. I lived there 18 years. Let me move somewhere else for 18 years so I can get sick of that place. And then, you know, just broaden my horizons of places that I've gotten sick of before I die. Um, so I just think LA is like, you, you, I, I think LA can be, it's, it can just be not like a lot of places. I mean, New York can be like that too. Like, just kind of a uh, you know a kind of a mean city that if you kind of don't are maybe a little more vulnerable and don't know yourself it can it can really have its way with you in a way that i think other places even if you have like a self-loathing inside you like la is like you can have self-loathing but there's a lot of reinforcement there to tell you to support your self-loathing like you're like you know i'm shit and people are like yeah you are shit (laughs) you know what i mean just yeah, I've been thinking about it a lot because like in a way I like I always wanted to move back and and now I feel like besides all the climate stuff like I feel as though my presence anywhere can only hurt my chances and <laughs> LA is kind of one of those places where everything is built on perception and to be perceived as a mysterious person who's never really there people can just fill in whatever mm-hmm. they want about you good or bad but there's a power to that mystery where it's like in LA if you're there and you're getting your face out and you're socializing like it's good and it's fun and it's great for your career but I also feel like a lot of people are like yeah they're just as self-loathing as any of us but they know how to play the game and if you don't play the game right and you're not brimming with like false positivity or you don't look a certain way then people can be very quickly like not understanding, not very warm, not very kind. They don't give you any leeway because it's all just about appearances. Right. right. Um, so Yeah, that's true. And that whole thing um, of, you know, having an air of mystery is kind of really yeah. rare now. Well, it's like when, as, a, as a comic, when you go out to life for a week, you'll get hooked up with a lot of spots, you know, and then when you're out there, you get nothing, you know, because you're there. Exactly. Or, well, when I when I moved yeah, I'm here to LA, for five like, minutes. can you do like this minute here? Like, yeah, you know. well, I moved to LA in like 2011 for like six months, and then I I came back, and then um I I I run into people. I ran into someone two years ago, and they're like, oh, so what do you do? You live in LA now, right? And 
people uh, people because i went there for six months people just like made up this life of mine <laughs> that i live in la now and i'm just like doing things in la and it's like no that was like 12 years ago just for like, <laughs> for like i love that winter. idea though because you could very easily like just create this whole phony life of tom mccaffrey crushing it in la and nobody yeah. would know the difference I I know. Take your word for it. <laughs> exactly even though showbiz is a hard thing to keep a lie going when you're like no i'm killing it in showbiz and they're yeah. like but i haven't seen you do <laughs> I listen <anything." laughs> you could you could well you could just george santos the whole fucking thing so i mean you get into congress that way yeah, totally. and yeah, also there's can, so much content. Like, I just now. bought the rights to Annie. <laughs> <laughs> Ten years from now, I'm gonna. I make just the bought the rights Annie. to Chinese Annie. <laughs> and, and Bryce somehow Bryce Dallas Howard will be in that one too, for starring some Sophia Coppola and Willow Smith. <laughs> all right, um, we should wrap it up. Uh, all right, we'll wrap it up. Any um, last plugs or that kind of thing? Well, um, watch Ratso on Trauma. Um, my, I self-published a book, Metanoia. That's, that's online. It's available through Amazon and Kindle. Uh, it's a really fucked up book if you're into surrealism and you feel like punishing yourself. Um, really? What's it called? uh, It's called Metanoia. It's, you know what? I wrote it and it's sort of like everything, everywhere, all at once ish. And I wrote it and then that movie came out and it was like, fuck, like, similar things well not necessarily um, you know. but you, what you want to kill it, yourself it, it's, after you read the it's book white jewish everything everywhere all at once uh, well there you go that's the pit it's the elevator pit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah tom's got a book yeah. too tom's i have a book, book too yeah by no. i have a book out now too it's called yeah. born funny yeah so check it out everyone <laughs> it's on amazon okay. and you know it's like a um chronicle of my time coming up during the alt comedy scene it's uh yeah it's it's great yeah i just wrote the latest harry potter book so i'm cooking yeah because yeah. ever since she was canceled you know someone's got to pick up the slack so oh right i forgot um, I, I wrote trans harry potter <laughs> <laughs> all right well uh molly molly heckling thanks for coming on yeah it was, it was great nice, it was nice talking thanks to so you thanks for, for um yeah yeah thanks yeah. a lot and um um uh, we'll talk to you whenever have fun yeah, well, in vermont don't be a yes thank you feel free to come and, and eat ben and jerry's with me anytime <laughs> i do want to go to vermont yeah so but i'll be there yeah hit me up okay i will <laughs> we'll milk, okay, we'll milk cool. the cow together all right nice all right uh thanks Bye. thanks everyone and we'll see you next time Bye.